You've seen their TV shows. You've watched their webcasts. Now, Partigan and Stapes invite you to Poker in the Ears. Hello, my babies, and welcome to Poker in the Ears. I'm Uncle Daddy Joe Stapleton. He is my work wife, James Hardigan. Happy birthday, Joe. have done it. We are done with WCOOP. It does feel like my birthday. We did it. <laughs> it's all over. Until the next thing. What is the next thing? Okay, there is something on the horizon, but number one, I can't talk about it yet, and number two, it's not happening anytime soon. Okay, thank God, because uh, for the next two weeks, I'm going to do a victory lap. Uh, Hopefully, our next thing isn't a week and a half from now like it was last time. No. Uh, (laughs) Coming up on today's show, we're going to recap WCOOP briefly, because we pretty much just witnessed all of it, right? Yeah. Okay, good. Uh, we're going to talk to some of the heroes at WCOOP that we already talked to. That's right. We're going to the well and replaying the rest of the interviews we did over the last third of the WCOOP. We're going to hear from the main event champion and two players of the series, so not bad there, including the special lost interview we did with Zappa. Zappa I still don't know how to say it. That guy. That guy. That guy. But he is definitely deserving of being spoken to. He is a fucking legend. Uh, I had some stuff going on in my personal life we didn't really have time to talk about on the stream. I will catch you guys up on that today if you care to hear about it. Just kidding. You have no choice. <laughs> Superfan versus Stapes is the original Blade Runner today. We're going to talk to Mark Levinson about that. Always fun to revisit this movie from time to time. Uh, does anybody want to do a super fan segment that isn't a movie. Roman emperors, Greek gods and godai, state capitals. Funny you should mention that, Joe, because we do have a specialist subject coming up that isn't a movie. Actually, next week is a TV show, but I guess that's still in the same ballpark. Uh, Coming soon, music of the 2010s. And just to warn you, you know we had a special cameo appearance from Patrick the intern last week compiling the Lighthouse quiz. Well, Patrick was working with us on the WCOOP streams. He has now finished university. So Patrick is available for work. So I am going to be outsourcing a lot of the superfan quizzes in the coming weeks to Patrick, the intern. He's not even our intern anymore, but that's what he will always be to me. Um, Should probably highlight that this is going to be a shorter episode than usual. I hope we don't sound as wrecked as we currently feel, but I'm going to be (laughs) honest with you. I have not felt this mentally or physically exhausted in a long time. And I think it's the combination of doing those three weeks of stadium series, then having a very tight turnaround during which we didn't really take any time off and then doing three weeks of WCOOP. Not complaining. It was extraordinary good fun. Really enjoyed doing those streams, but they have taken their toll. Combine that with the fact that I haven't really had any time off all year. And it's been great that we've done all this stuff. It's been an awesome distraction. And I know that people have appreciated it, Joe. They've told us that. But I think we're coming to the point now where I just need to detach for a little bit. And kind of just want to get done with the podcast today and then just have at least a few days just not to think about anything. What's weird is that... um Stadium series was three straight weeks, and at the end of it, I was like, you know what? That was hard, but I'm okay. And then I got a little bit more time off than you did, James. You know, I, I James is really working hard behind the scenes as well as the rest of the team, and I don't have that much to do with it until we're, we're back in action again. Uh, but it still didn't feel like enough time, even for me. And then this 
run of WCOOP was uh, just as long, but we did have a couple days off in the middle, and the streams were mostly, I'd say, slightly shorter uh, overall, but I felt at the end of it way worse than I felt at the end of Stadium Series, which is remarkable considering this was really smooth and really fun. Uh, so if it hadn't been, I can't even imagine how we'd be feeling right now. So I'm totally down. Although with this long diatribe from the two of us, the podcast will probably be the normal length. Um, <laughs> wanted to catch you guys up on something. Remember a couple of years ago, James, I went to Japan. I remember it very clearly because it was towards the end of 2017 and you were having health issues that had impacted on your voice. We had to bring in all this extra support for EPT Prague. Do you remember Jamie Staples, Griffin Benja, Finton and Sprague, you all came out to Prague and we were all feeling sorry for you. And then you were like, yeah, guys, I'm now off to Japan for two weeks. I'm going to Tokyo. We're like, yeah, that sounds like a really sensible thing to do right now. Well, I, it was... It was one week, but yes, it doesn't really change the uh, the, the story there. I uh, Yes, I had the opportunity to go to Japan on a film production's budget to go hang out on, on set and, and hang out with my movie producer friend. And uh, I got to know uh, Alexandra Daddario, who is the, the star of the movie. And we, me and a couple of friends all hung out for the week there. Basically, that was a long time ago. It doesn't feel that long ago. James, that was 2017. Yeah, three years um, ago. And uh, the director of the movie was kind enough to have me there and, and more or less paid my way. Um, and the movie, long story short, is finally out. It's called Lost Girls and Love Hotels. Uh, it was released last week on streaming. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it on Apple. Yeah, I, I, I've looked for it. And I don't know if it is it on Amazon Prime in the US, Joe. Is it like free as part of your Prime it's subscription? It's not free. No, I think, I, okay. I think it's like 10 bucks on Amazon yeah, Prime. Yeah, I've seen it's available to rent from the iTunes store. So at some point I'll get around to watching it. Yeah. So I watched the movie. I loved it. Incredibly proud of my friend. And, um, you know, the movie's getting mixed reviews, uh, some good, some bad. I think part of the, the bad reviews is that, um, there it's m movie reviewers, are, you know, like 95% male. And I think that this is more of a female driven female storyline movie. So I'm not sure that it resonates with male reviewers the same way. Um, but Alex uh, Daddario is really, really fantastic in it. And I'm so happy because, um, you know, that was a tough shoot. They were in Japan for like seven months, um, which is a really long time to be shooting a movie, especially when you see what this movie is. You would think that it wouldn't have taken them as long. So uh, I just want to say it's out if anybody's curious as to where I was. And uh, if, if you guys have questions as to like what things I was there for, I'd be happy to uh, answer and it was just a really cool experience for me i got to got to hang out with a movie star for a week and you guys remember people thought i was the movie star when we went to the restaurant go back and listen to that episode of the podcast um james something you and i talk about all the time and we stopped for a while because the show got bad yeah. right archer archer yeah, so the the one on the island the what was it archer danger island was a really really bad season it kind of redeemed itself a little bit with the space season Yes. Okay. So I wasn't sure if you had watched the space season. So I, have I space season. had fallen in and out of love with Archer a bunch of times ever since they started doing the uh, the like different genres, the fantasy um, seasons, as I call them. Yeah, the fantasy seasons. Some of them were good. Some of them were real bad. Some of them were like fluctuated from okay. Uh, I thought the space season was great. Uh, I th I agree with you that it redeemed itself. 
I when I saw the space season, when I saw the f- final episode, I was like, oh, this must be this series finale. Uh, it really felt like the end of the show. Uh, and then I was shocked to see that there is a season 11 that just started airing here in the States. And I wonder if it maybe isn't because of COVID-19 that uh, maybe season 10 was supposed to be the end. And now because animation is one of the only things you can do oh. uh, safely, that maybe season 11 was an afterthought. But uh, season 11, they're back to okay. the original ISIS offices, those types of storylines. And so far, I've only watched two episodes so far. It's a return to form. It's been great. Oh. Uh, so I just just in case you had given up on Archer, it normally I to let you know. appears on Netflix here in Europe, and because I've watched every other season, I'm pretty sure that when season eleven finally drops, that I'll start getting the daily email alerts from Netflix telling me that I might like to watch it. Excellent. Okay. Good. Do not give up on Archer. Um, I'm moving. That's one thing I didn't get a chance to. I haven't really talked about that much. And W Coop is not really appropriate to talk about that. I'm I'm moving in W Coop. Um, Hollywood's been been good to me, but also it's been kind of bad to me in some ways. I'm not leaving Los Angeles. Just moving out of Hollywood and moving to the suburbs. Going to move into a house. I uh, thought you were going to tell us all that you've loved being inside the PokerStars Arena so much that you're going to take up permanent residency. <laughs> That would be great. Uh, no, I'm going to sleep in a bed with my girlfriend instead of on the floor next to my uh, next to my poker stars arena background here. Uh, one thing that I wanted to find out about, James, um, I know you're into video games lately. I had a hell of a time this week. First world problems. First to admit it. Uh, I did not manage to pre-order a PS5 or an Xbox. Uh, PS5, I dropped the ball a little bit thinking that like I could just like mosey on out of bed and order one and it turns out that they had been sold out for like hours and hours already xbox i had five browsers open five different retailers at the exact time it was supposed to go on sale and i got 0.0 xboxes okay so i am not a double console person because that's just lifestyles of the rich and famous type (laughs) stuff um because you told me of the fact of the fact you'd missed out on a PS5, I therefore set the alarm to wake up on Tuesday morning to ensure I could get my pre-order in for the Xbox Series X or the mini fridge as it's come to be known. And I'm lucky I managed to secure one. But had you not told me of your trials and tribulations with the PS5, I never would have thought in a million years there'd be a shortage. I thought that I, I know in the past there's a there's a run on these things. I thought in the current environment and you know is it's surely there'll be enough stock and Maybe there won't be that many people looking to spend hundreds of dollars or hundreds of pounds. On no, within five minutes, Amazon were out. So I'm glad I got my order in when I did. Yeah, I think that given that everyone is going to be likely to be indoors, just as a way of life, right, for the next couple of years, regardless of like yep. lockdowns happening, people are going to be a little less prone to going out. I think that's going to just, you know, financial hardship notwithstanding people are just going to want to play more video games so unfortunately i'm going to have to wait would you ever consider paying wait i think you did once before paying above market value for like a a someone who's flipping their xbox and or playstation no i would not do that 
what I did do is when the PlayStation 3 first came out, it was launched in Japan a good six to seven months before the UK, which was ridiculous. So it wasn't released in the UK until the spring of 2007. It came out, I think, in the States as well, like November 2006. So I did order a PlayStation 3 from Amazon Japan and, and had to pay a fortune in import duty and VAT. <laughs> um, but I wouldn't give money to a scalper, to someone who's basically stockpiling them and then selling them above market rate. No, I'd, 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 I'd wait. I'd wait. Um, Joe, let's draw a thick, bold line under WCOOP. For the last time, let's talk about the World Championship of Online Poker 2020. Because it's finally over. All 225 tournaments have finished. Done. Dusted. And we can now review the final headlines, the top line stats, 1.1 million total entries, series prize pool of nearly $100 million, first prizes totaling $14.3 million. We now know that Brazil took more titles than any other country with 35 nice. wins. Russia wow. and the UK tied at 33. I'm doing a Howard Swains now, aren't I? There were 18 <laughs> double champions across the series, including Adrian Mateos and Lena 900. Of those 18, Yuri Martins and Tobias Lechner won three trophies each. And of course, it all finished on Wednesday night with the main events, the last games to finish. The low was won by Klamono from Poland for nearly 187k. I'm so weak from Thailand took down the medium for just over half a million dollars. Our main focus was the high buy-in version. So let's talk about that. The 5K main event, $10 million so guaranteed. Fun. We started following this on Monday, and this was really exciting because with everything we've done with online poker so far, whether it was Scoop, where it was final table replays the day after, whether it was Stadium Series, where we were following day two from like the last three tables down to a winner, and pretty much most of WCOOP, we did the same thing. But here, we picked up a tournament in the mid-stages, just like we do with the EPT when we're on location. And we got to do our world-famous bubble coverage of an online MTT for the first time. And that was a thrill. That was something different. And that was a very enjoyable day, Jay. That was a thrill. And I don't think even I know, so I can't express the audience, what a difficult task that is. Uh, to be done remotely. It's a difficult task live, right? Live, we're in a big tournament area. Usually there's like 10 or 12 tables left, right? Or maybe fewer. Uh, but at most it's like 10 or 12 and we have crews running back and forth, camera crews, table to table, they pause the action. We're not pausing the action online poker. We're having people physically watch poker as it unfolds online. They can't see the whole cards. They're just waiting and waiting and waiting for there to be an all-in, and then we get that information. We have directors and people behind the scenes who have to cut to those tables, and it is arguably more difficult, uh, not even arguably, it probably just Bill. flat out is more difficult Much to cover difficult. it online. Much because more. how many tables were there? Um, I mean... There were what... 200 and something there was gonna be, there's going to be like 30 to 35 tables in play the one thing i will say and this is where you can use the delay to your advantage because of course in the live arena if we're going to do that comparison joe we effectively 
shoot the poker in real time and it's then delayed for the audience. Here, the poker is played, but the picture that we look at is not yeah. generated until 30 minutes later. So the good thing is you can plan ahead based on the sequence of events that you already know. But I'm not saying it's simple. It's still a logist- logistical mindfuck. And yeah. kudos to the team for making it work. I hope the audience enjoyed it. We enjoyed it. Also enjoyed watching them play down to the final table on Tuesday. And then we streamed the entire final table on Wednesday in the company of Sam and Griffin. Uh, we had that great story of the spin-and-go qualifier, the player who was in for $22, who busted early, but still, still... Laddered. Had a, Laddered. A, a six-figure score. It was still an amazing, amazing story. Um, every final table is unique. Every final table has its narrative, its story. This one was four-handed play, which went on for more than three hours with all four players at some point having the chip lead. And I'm pretty sure that at some point, all four players were the short stack, with at least two of them, if not three of them, moving into the danger zone at some point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, This is a final table that I won't soon forget. Now, I may forget their real names. I may forget some of the details. But, um, you know, Robin Yolotalo going out in fourth um, was sad considering he is arguably the most experienced player at the table. But I will not forget... Tino Mulder and PT Fisherman, the two of them were such a force in this tournament from about, I don't know, three tables left right up until the final hand was dealt. And this is one of those heads up matches. You know, I can't even call it heads up. It's a rivalry is what I'll call it because it was so much more than the heads up. The heads up really was kind of insignificant in the, in the long run. Uh, of the battle, the story of these two players. I do think that it's one of those things where in in the future you might think that it was Tino Mulder and P.T. Fisherman heads up. Of course it wasn't. But because these two there guys played so many hands against each other, it felt like a heads up battle between them. So many ridiculous clashes between these two. Um, we did have the aborted deal because Ulatello was short. It made no sense for them to really chop it at that point of course after robin then busted they did do a three-way deal instead of creating two millionaires this event created three millionaires and it was victory for andre Marques, originally from portugal now living in the netherlands who won the main event trophy and nearly 1.15 million dollars and as long as we're talking about our team pulling off incredible feats we got to talk to Andre immediately afterward. Thank you to the production team for pulling this off. I don't know how many people were involved, but it was plenty to get him on the line. He joined me, James, and Griffin Bender on the stream within minutes within minutes of beating Tino Roder. Heads up. PT Fisherman mm. 23, Andre Marcus, congratulations, sir. Hey, buddy. Thank you. Are you a fisherman? Uh, kind of. Uh, no, no, no. It's just uh, a nickname that a guy that I played time before gave to me, and uh, I just put it in my account. We have been watching you play for the last two days, absolutely. Uh, and we've been seeing some very aggressive 
Very creative play. Uh, it's worked out for you in some spots. At one point, though, you were the short stack at the final table. I mean, how do you keep your focus over four days? How did you maintain that commitment to close this out? Uh, it's like, I, I don't know, I just take hour by hour, you know, but break by break. Uh, I try to focus what I, I want to do in that hour and try to do it, you know. Uh, not every play were good, uh, had some spills, uh, but <laughs> who doesn't? And, uh, well, it tends well, yeah, <laughs> so I don't, I kind of don't know really what to say now. <laughs> We don't have you uh, as having a ton of large caches uh, to your name. I'm not on PokerStars, at least. Uh, this is a million dollars. What are you going to do with it? Is this just going into the bankroll, or is this life-changing money for you? Uh, actually, it's funny because last week I broke my personal record on the other room. I, it was like 140K. 140k, yeah. And this week, uh, I don't know what I'm going to do with the money, but uh, well, we see. So it's like I will rest now and then, then think about it. But we still have a lot to work to do in the future. So, yeah. Uh, Griffin, was there anything you wanted to ask before we congratulate Andre one last time? You know, I did, but I can tell he's 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 really burnt out as he as he should be. I just wanted to ask really quickly about the dynamic that you had with with Tino Mulder. You guys seem to be involved in so many tough pots. Him having position on you most of the time. What was that experience like for you over the final table? Yeah, it was great. Uh, I think it was like uh, Tino is a very experienced player, and uh, I I don't have too many years of poker. I'm professional like for three years. And uh, it was it was good. It was a lot of learning during the runs. He helped he helped played me uh, several times. I just ran better than him uh, in the end. Uh, but it was it was good. I think I'm like a very better player after this tournament. Yeah, yeah. yeah I was gonna say. I think that was a big big confidence uh, thing for you when you were really sort of really going to war with him and uh, and holding your own. I think uh, you did a great job. And crucially, you. Andre, you now get to follow in the footsteps of players like Fedor Holtz, Jonas Lau, Steven Van Zadelhoff. You are a world championship of online poker, main event champion. You are going to get that trophy. You've got that $1.1 million score. Congratulations once again. Thank you very much. Uh, it's just not my score. It's a score for my friends and my, my team that I play, Polarized Poker. Uh, and for my country, it's the first one of my country, first final, ta final table, first Amo. title. So it's for all, for all of us. <laughs> well, Andre was not the only winner that we spoke to yesterday. Uh, let's hear it from Russian Twitch streamer Rina Lyapin, a.k.a. Zapazmaski. I think I said that right. Uh, he <laughs> narrowly pipped Yuri Martins to the top spot on the player of the series leaderboard. Yeah, I was in top uh, from start, but in the middle, I started to play everything to, for the leaderboard. And you did everything while streaming? Um, I think mostly, not everything, mostly. Was it I difficult think, to stream uh, and play at the same time? No, I always, uh, when I when I am getting final table, I mostly stream it. Yeah, it's usual for me. And what about uh, your number of viewers? Have they gone up over this series? 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I got uh, like two thousand viewers. Yeah, it's really good. Wow. I will, I will, I will try to stream more. Yeah. And in addition to that competition that was worth twenty five thousand dollars, there were also contests for the individual buy-in tiers. We saw Jao Vieira win the high, Alexander's ten from Latvia win the low, and last year's overall player of the series, Yussi Nevenlina, won the medium. And when we spoke to Calvin Seven V, we pointed out that. He kind of came from nowhere at the 11th hour. How do you will yourself to do something like that? Well, to be honest, I wasn't thinking about the leaderboards at this time because I, I was so far away, so I wasn't actually like, concentrating on those. But I, then I just got three really good results for, from those medium-sized buying tournaments. So, I mean, it kind of happened. And and the last one which I won, I was the shortest one going to the day two. So I mean, I wasn't counting on getting good results from that one. So it, so was of, it a surprise to you, or was it something you were keeping track of the entire time? I, it was definitely a surprise for me. But but when when I was close, like getting closer to it, like then I knew that it's possibly going to happen. But like before the last day, when like, like my last day, I wasn't like I, I thought that my chances were so slim that I wasn't actually thinking about it. <clears throat> All right, before we let you go, I got to ask you about the Calvin thing. There's you and there's Cal for two. Okay, there maybe there's just a couple of Calvins, but I have to know what's up with Calvin's in online poker. Um, <laughs> well, that's just my nickname that has nothing to do with me, but. Uh, I guess Calvin Anderson can respond on that more, like better than I can. But that's actually when I won first time my like scoop over our leaderboard. It's like a big rivalry between me and him. And uh, yeah, <laughs> um, that was my first that I was actually like trying to go for the leaderboard first prices and and. Uh, Ever since that one, I've been thinking of those every time when the tournament series starts. So, like, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> you mentioned Scoop there, of course. It's been a very busy year for online poker with back-to-back series. Yeah. What's next? Are you going to take a break or are you going to back on the grind? Uh, to be honest, the tournament series that continues like Vcoop did now, it, it's so, um, it's physically and mentally really, really heavy. So I, I really need to take some break after, after the tournament series. So I'm assuming that I'm going to take a break for maybe two weeks, maybe longer. I remember last year I was planning on being away from poker for two weeks, but then I extended it for a little over a month. Because it's nice. actually like a pretty heavy work to play all yeah. the tournaments. And, and yeah. well, you take that break. You enjoy that break. Uh, Yussi, thank you very much for joining us this evening. Thanks, you. So, James, I was going to bring back one of my tried and tested, a.k.a. Uh, well-worn, <laughs> well-worn out games for this week's podcast, an old favorite WCube leaderboard or Pornhub uploader. Oh, yeah. And I remember that we actually paid attention to the WCube leaderboard <laughs> this year. So it isn't going to work. And also, I'm exhausted. One game and one game only this week. Superfan versus Stapes. Superfan versus Stapes. Thrilled to welcome to this week's podcast, this week's Superfan, Mark Levinson, I believe, 
that like Mr. Stapleton, you are a resident of the state of California. Indeed, I'm right near Stanford University. Hey, awesome. What's up, neighbor? Although, you know, state of California, we could be across Europe from each other. There's much different distance between me and you in uh, L.A. and Stanford. What do you do up there? I have a investment advisory and uh, financial planning business. I'm going to get Mark's number also. Yes. <laughs> I, don't do, I don't do technical support. And uh, what are the other super fan common occupations? I'm, I'm slightly a, a different breed. AKA successful. Oh. That's rare. That's not what I said. <laughs> uh, Mark, what's your uh, poker history? Uh, you know, I got uh, turned on to poker. I remember going to uh, plan to take a trip to Los Angeles. I'm such a nerd. I went and I got a book on different gambling table games. And one of my colleagues looked at me and said, you know, if you really want the best odds, I mean, you can never beat uh, craps, you can never beat blackjack. Well, I guess if you're counting cards, you can beat blackjack, but I wasn't going to do that. But he said, you should get interested in poker because you're just playing against other people, not the house. So that's my, that's where I got started. Um, and that was around, uh, 10 years ago. And back, uh, before black Friday, I used to uh, play on poker stars and uh, some other sites. And I was very proud of myself because even though, um, I don't want to date myself too much, but I'm confident I'm older than both of you. Uh, I would play 16 uh, sit-and-go tables at a time, and I thought I was the boss. Uh, of course, you know, there were guys playing. There were guys playing cat. You know, like 40 tables of cash and sit-and-goes are pretty um, mechanical, so there wasn't a lot of decision making. But I, I was still proud of myself that that was a, an accomplishment. And most people, I would say that too. Uh, would give me sort of a blank stare, but I know that the two of you with your uh, expertise in poker can appreciate that there's a, a degree of, of skill that comes Absolutely. To, to that. Absolutely. Now, I get the impression you're also a movie fan, Mark. You have picked the original Blade Runner as your specialist subject, but on social media, you pretend to be Felix Leiter of the <laughs> Central Intelligence Agency. Now, obviously, yes. that piques my interest because I'm one of the world's biggest Bond nerds. Uh, That's awesome. but, yes. but, but why Felix of all the characters in the Bond universe? Simple. Uh, James Bond was unavailable as a, as a username <laughs> because so many people pick it. And uh, uh, I was a, I'm a huge Ian Fleming fan back at university. I read through all the books uh, putting his sexism of the era aside yeah. um, and, you know, other things that were then political or now politically not correct, but very much enjoyed the books, enjoyed the movies. Um, and so Felix was an easy choice. I also like Felix because he's played by different actors in the series, including actors of different races. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he just always has a great uh, he's, he's definitely a supporting character, but one of my favorites. So it was an easy choice. Cool. And I'm so glad you picked Blade Runner because, as we discussed, Joe, we've done the sequel, but never done the original. Uh, Mark, I know it's one of your favorite films of all time. Joe, have you, after our conversation last week, had a chance to revisit any version of Blade Runner? Yes, I did revisit the the final cut. And um, what's really great is, uh, well, for multiple reasons, I have a young girlfriend. And uh, when I say young, by the way, in her 20s. And she, a lot of times when we watch these movies, I'm rewatching them. She's seeing them for the first time. She has a strong appreciation. She's not one of these young people that doesn't 
uh, get older movies. She almost always enjoys them. But what's funny is that the youngness still comes out. So we're watching Blade Runner in the first five minutes. And she's like, this is like the fifth element. And I'm like, no, the fifth element is like this. Yeah. This is what almost all sci-fi movies rip off of when they're like the fifth element. The fifth element, while very enjoyable, uh, does not have almost anything original about it. Um, having said that, I don't think I'd ever seen the final cut before. I definitely seen the voiceover version before. I definitely seen a non voiceover version before. I don't think I had seen this one. I really like the ending to this one, uh, with the elevator door closing and not the, the drive up the coast or yeah. whatever. Um, I, I think that this ending works so much better than any of the other ones I saw. And yeah, this movie, it's really weird how well Blade Runner and Blade Runner 2049 work together. Like they are feel very similar and work just there. 2049 is, I think maybe a better movie. If you want to argue that it's not, that's fine. But these two movies are fucking incredible. I, I agree with you, Joe. I actually think that 2049 might have the edge. I do think this movie has dated slightly, which I think is just one of those things that happens to all science fiction films that are made several decades yeah. ago. But the other thing is, again, even looking at it in the time, but certainly looking at it now, there's a misogynistic streak running through the original Blade Runner that makes me feel really uncomfortable. And I think 2049 was a, was a better film for not having that. There's a nastiness in this film, which I find quite unpleasant um that being said it obviously is a masterpiece on so many levels would you agree mark that the final cut is the definitive version or do you still have a fondness for the theatrical cut with the happy ending and the voiceover no absolutely final cut is the the best um though i'm old enough that i watched this movie in the theaters i mean i was uh and and watched it i went to see it a number of times um, so it, it definitely has left the deepest impression on me, which I'm a little bit sad about. And I just wanted to get back to, uh, what you said about the, uh, the follow on version. It, you know, I, I was so in love with Blade Runner that when I went to see the 2049 release a couple of years ago, I was, I was mortified that I might watch a really crappy movie yeah. and have to sort of qualify my love of Blade Runner. And I was so so happy uh, and thoroughly enjoyed the, the follow-on version. I could see making an argument for it being a better movie, loved uh, di- many different elements about it. So yeah. um, I'm a full, full-on full 100% Blade Runner fan. Well, we're all in agreement, and I can't wait to get fucking shellacked by you in this competition. Before, before we get to the quiz, I just wanted to say um, uh, I've sort of been listening to, the, to your podcast for quite some time, and... Um, the humor, Joe, makes it, it all worth it. You know, uh, I, I'm a super poker nerd, but just, you know, look, ace king against queens. Let's see what the run out is. Um, that's not enough. Um, so the humor really makes makes it engaging and uh, just a pleasure to listen to. And James, the the uh, discussion about uh, topics, not just, uh, of course, the, the, the poker uh, information is very uh, in, engaging, but I think it was Paths of Glory by uh, Kubrick uh, you mentioned in one podcast and other times you're talking about whether it's movies or other kinds of entertainment. Guys, it just makes the, it's just a pleasure to listen to. So uh, thank you for what you do. Thank you, We Mark. appreciate that. Thank you. And really, that's why really. you're here, because you are a super fan. And yeah. 
I think I you're am a super kind. I think you're going to do well in this quiz. Um, I'll be honest All with right. you. The main questions I actually think are relatively easy for anyone with a, a basic knowledge of the movie. The bonus questions may be a little bit tougher. So the bonuses are actually going to carry two points rather than just the standard one point. But remember, you only get the bonus if you get the main question right. So be careful about refusing to take those multiple choice options. It's the usual format. You can go anywhere on the board. Mark one through ten available. Please give me a number. Uh, I would be remiss if I didn't say it's always coming seven. <laughs> Question number seven. What is the motto of the Tyrell Corporation? More human than human. For two points, and that means that you get the bonus question. Who plays Tyrell? Eldon Tyrell is played by Joe Turkel. Correct, for two points. And here wow. is a glitch in the Matrix. Joe Turkel is in Kubrick's Paths of Glory that you just mentioned. Oh, How weird damn. is that? How freaky is that? Give him an extra point for that. I have no shot anyway. It <laughs> uh, he's already up 4 nothing, Joe, so let's not just throw points away Wait, like that. Wait, 4? Joe, any number other than 7? Hold on a second. He has 3 points, right? No. 2 points for the main question, 2 points for the bonus. Remember, the bonus questions are tougher, so they're worth 2 points. Oh my god. Alright, sorry. Um... All right, you know what? Don't fuck me, nine. Let's go. Give me the nine. Deckard dreams of a unicorn. What do androids possibly dream about, according to the title of Philip K. Dick's original story? Electric sheep. Correct for two points. Your bonus question. Which writer is thanked in the credits for allowing the use of the title Blade Runner? Ugh. Ray Bradbury. Incorrect. No stealing of bonuses, but do you know the answer, Mark? William S. Burroughs. Correct. And it's your question. Uh, one through ten, seven and nine have gone. Eight, please. Question number eight. Whose club does Deckard frequent while searching for Zora? Taffy Lewis. Taffy Lewis for two points. And the bonus question, what is Zora's stage name at the club? Miss Salome, as she takes the pleasures from the serpent who once corrupted man. See, definitely deserving of two points for that answer. Uh, <laughs> you have eight, Joe, you have two, but it's your second question. What number would you like? I have two. It's my second question. Drop a deuce on me. Okay, what is the name of the detective with origami skills who arrests Deckard at the noodle bar? Gaff. Gaff for two points. Your bonus. What are the flying police cars called? Chariots. Nope. Put him out of his misery, Mark. They're called spinners. They are called spinners, but no stealing of the bonuses. And quite frankly, you don't need the points right now. One, three, four, <laughs> five, six, or ten. I'd like ten, please. The awkward happy ending from the original theatrical cut utilizes unused footage from which other early 1980s Warner Brothers film? What? You can take the options. Yeah, I need the options. Does it use footage left over from Caddyshack, Superman 2, The Shining, or Mad Max 2?
Okay, I don't think it's Caddyshack, which is also a favorite movie of mine for different reasons. <laughs> Superman 2 sounds right. Uh, the other choices were The Shining was filmed um, in a winter location, so that sounds wrong. And what was the other choice? Mad Max 2. That also sounds wrong, so I'll go with Superman 2. You should have gone with The Shining. It was the shots the of the car driving away, the helicopter shots overhead. Um, Kubrick turned over all of the unused helicopter footage from The Shining, and that's what they used as exteriors to keep the shoot cheap. Uh, that means, Joe, you have a chance right. to steal the bonus here. You can steal a bonus? You can steal a bonus if you don't get the main question right. So the bonus now comes to oh, you. Oh, okay. Got it, got it, got it. You think I'd know how the game works at this point, but nah. Yeah. According to Harrison Ford's dialed-in narration in the original theatrical cut, where do they not advertise for killers? The want ads. I need the actual line as said in the movie. What two words does he say? The local papers. I can't give it to you. It's the newspaper is the line. They don't oh, advertise the killers in the newspaper. I'm reading off That's the script reluctantly. Joe, this no one said it would be easy. It wasn't even your question. You got to steal. Um, now it's your question. One, three, four, five, or six. One, please. One. Oh, sorry. That's okay. okay. Sorry. Again, Mark, you don't need points. Don't worry. Things. It's all good. What creature is the subject of one of the questions in Leon's Voigtkampf test, Joe? A tortoise. It is a tortoise for two points. You now have six. You can get an extra two and tie the game. No, you'd still be one. No, you can tie the game. The bonus. What is Leon's second name? Shakernik. No, it's not. It's Kowalski. Uh, Mark. Fuck, I should. Know your that. penultimate question: three, four, five, or six? Three, please. How does Captain Bryant refer to replicants? Skin jobs. Two points. According to Bryant, how many people did Batty's crew kill when they escaped? 23. Correct for the two bonus points. You have 12. Joe, you have six. Four, five, or six? Uh, four is my unlucky number, so I'll take that four. Four, please. Who designs the replicant's eyes? J. F. Multiple choice options are available. Oh, it's the it's the Asian guy. I'll take the choices. I don't remember his name. Is it Hannibal Brooks, Hannibal Smith, Hannibal Chu, or Hannibal Lecter? I guess I'm going to say Hannibal Chu. It is Hannibal Chu for one point, <laughs> but you can get two points for the bonus. Within a five-year radius, how old is actor James Hong today? Eighty. You're not within five. He is 91 years old right now. Damn it. That's a hashtag fun fact. Uh, Mark, your last question. You can have five, you can have six. Five, please. According to her file, what purpose does Pris serve? Pleasure model. She is a basic pleasure model for two points. Your bonus question, 
This is hard, but something tells me you might know it. What was Press's incept date? Oh. You know, I, I, I would have known that a long time ago when I was... Um, I don't know her incept date. Yeah. It was Valentine's Day, 14th of February, 2016. Joe, question six. Where did Roy Batty see attack ships on fire? The belt of Orion. Would you like the multiple choice options? Fine. I need precision here. I'm sorry. Was it on the moon's right. surface, off the shoulder of Orion, near the Tannhauser Gate, on TV? The shoulder of Orion. There you go. You can have one point for that. You can get two for the bonus, though. Complete the batty line. Quite an experience to live in fear, isn't it? How do I not know this? Go ahead, Mark. You can close it out. That's what it is to be a slave. That ah. is the line. Just out of interest, Mark, would you have known the bonus question, or rather the tiebreaker as well? How many years separate the release of the so-called director's cut and Ridley Scott's final cut? 25 years. Uh, I didn't listen to the, the question very carefully. I remember that they released the final cut on the 25th anniversary, but I'm not sure if that's measured from what you just asked me. I asked for the director's cut, the so-called director's cut, the, the gap between that and the final cut. So I thought the director's cut, well, I, I, that's actually outside my knowledge. Okay. Uh, it was released in 92, so it was a 15-year gap. But hey, we didn't need to go to the tiebreaker. Didn't matter because, as Joe predicted, it was a schlacking. 14 points, Mark. 8 points, Joe. You put up points. You put up a decent score. But, Mark, it's clear that you love this movie. It's clear you know this movie. Congratulations. And, uh, obviously, we can't give you a Sunday Million ticket because of your current domicile, but we can give you not one but two Poker in the Ears t-shirts, so we'll be in touch to ask which designs and which sizes you would like. That's fabulous. James, could I share one bit of trivia about Blade Runner? Um, I actually speak Japanese and Dutch, uh, both fluently, and uh, in the sets, when they put up the Chinese, the Japanese is written using Chinese characters, and you can see the neon lights. For example, at the, in the early scenes when Deckard is sitting in front of the noodle bar, the yeah. sushi noodle bar, uh, you can see certain characters. And then again later, when Zora gets shot, you can see the same characters, and they, in fact, they'll turn them upside down. And if you're not a reader of those characters, you might not know, but um, that's another fun fact. So you ah. can see they were you know, using different parts of the set, and that also dates the movie a little bit, because I, I don't think you'd see those kind of things oh. in the, the sequel. That is a great hashtag fun fact and a great way to end this segment. Mark, thank you very much for coming on the show today. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Mark. That was awesome. All right, my babies, we're almost out of time for this week's show. Coming up on next week's show, we're going on a grand tour. We are indeed, Joe. This is the cycling-themed, short-handed PKO format that's been available on Stars for a few months now, so I figured it's about time that we took a deep dive. I am nominating you to play yeah. this game for the first time in the next few days. I appreciate that, like me, you'll only get to experience the Play Money version, but I still think you'll get 
the grasp of it pretty quickly, and hopefully you'll enjoy it. Uh, one guy who I know enjoys it is our resident Grand Tour expert. That's Nick Walsh, who was part of our WCOOP streams over the last three weeks. And Nick is going to be on the podcast next week, and we're going to talk all things Grand Tour. Excellent. Look forward to talking to Nick Walsh. Also, next week's super fan is Christopher Preston. He will be here. He is challenging me to The Sopranos. Not going to have time to rewatch The Sopranos between now and then. Disappointing. I mean, that's only going to be like, what, 100 hours of television? (laughs) And I was thinking about this for a future episode. Uh, This fellow named Peter Elson got in touch with me uh, a few months ago, said he had a book coming out. And you never know who someone is who's getting in touch with you, whether or not they're legit or not. But I always treat everybody as if they are. And I told him I would order some copies of his book, and I did. And the book is actually getting, it's called The Only Way to Play It. The book is actually getting really good reviews. Front cover, great blurb here, Brian Koppelman. Here's the poker novel I've been waiting years for someone to write. It doesn't just feel true. It is. Mm. High praise indeed. Martin Harris, author of Poker and Pop Culture, says, The experience of reading The Only Way to Play It is like being in the middle of a high-voltage poker hand in which the pot keeps getting bigger and each new card seems to change everything as well-deserving of a seat at the shorthanded table of great poker novels. So... Anybody wants to read this book, I think maybe in two weeks we'll cover it. We'll talk to Peter. Um, Here's my favorite part about this, James. Unlike Maria Konnikova's book, there's only 250 pages. (laughs) (laughs) And it's a big font. All right, my babies, that's all the time we got for this week's show. If you got ideas for guests, any questions, comments, super fan applications, please use the hashtag PokerInTheEars. I got to go move a bunch of furniture for James Hardigan. This is Joe Stapleton saying, smell you later.